Hannah. I said what I said, Hannah. <laughs> oh, good to have you guys here. I, I, I forgot. I should have. I should have said something. And sometimes I go brain dead every so often. Um, we've got some visitors here, and, and it, their visitors are associated with Barbara Preston. Barbara, who you got there? <laughs> who you have there with you? <laughs> oh, yeah, I can't forget them. <laughs> uh, thank you for being here, honoring Grandma. All right, today our, our message is entitled Keeping Christ in Christmas. Something we need to do, don't we? You know, we, we, we celebrate Mother's Day. There's Mother's Day and we celebrate Mother's. There's Father's Day, and we celebrate fathers. (laughs) There's Memorial Day, and we celebrate those that have gone on before us. There's Labor Day, and we celebrate the right to work. There's Thanksgiving, and we celebrate thankfulness of all of God's blessings to us. And then there's Christmas, where to celebrate Christ. But for some reason, and, and uh, we are beginning to see this, not everybody agrees that we should celebrate Christ at Christmas. And that maybe we should just take out the Christ of Christmas. They say, you know, that's just offensive to have Christ in Christmas. That's offensive. It makes people feel uncomfortable by reading the word Christmas, Christmas. And we know for sure in today's world it's not politically correct, is it? Oh, my goodness, we got to have separation of church and state because the Constitution says that. Well, no, it does not. We don't want to offend any other religions because if they don't believe in Christ, oh, I can't do that. And we see a war that's raging against Christianity and in Christmas and in Christ. It's okay, they say, to say, happy holidays. That's okay. That's non-abrasive. It's okay to say season's greetings, even though what they don't know is Christ is the reason for the season. But to say Merry Christmas, no, that is offensive to so many people. The true meaning of Christmas is love. Did you know that? The true meaning of Christmas is love. John three sixteen and 17 says this. For God so loved the world. And when he used the, world, the word world there, he wasn't talking about the mountains and the trees and the skies. He was talking about people. In there he's talking about the world is people. He's not talking about the ugliness of sin and and what we all deal with in this world. He is talking about you and I. For God so loved you and I. The red, the yellow, the black, the brown, the white are all precious in his sight. He loved us so much that the next part of that verse says what? That he gave his only begotten son. He gave us the greatest gift in the history of all gifts, 
He gave us his son. It is the gift that keeps on giving. He loved us so much that he said, I want to give you this gift. And with this gift, I'm going to give you a promise. And the promise is this, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. What a promise. If I love you so much, and here is this gift that, that I'm going to call Jesus my son. And if you'll just believe him, if you'll just put your faith and trust in him, that verse tells us. He says what? You'll have everlasting life. You will live forever. You will live in a place we call heaven, which is a place of perfection But if you choose not to, if you choose not to accept this indescribable gift that God has given to you, it says, then you will perish. The word perish talks about being separated from holy God forever and forever. To never be able to experience the love that he is talking about there. To be separated from holy God forever and ever in a place that no one would ever want to go to. The promise says all you got to do is believe in his son, and you shall have life. You'll have life abundantly. Verse 17 says, God didn't send his son in the world to condemn the world, but the world through him, what, might be saved. What a gift. What a great gift. What, a, what an indescribable gift that he's given to us, and it's because he loves us so much you know when you think about God giving us this gift you know it's just hard to imagine sometimes that 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 the creator of this universe would take on flesh would take on humanity you know the God who created everything the God who spoke life into light into existence The God who separated the waters from the land here on this earth. The God who set the earth in the exact right spot. And then he gave it a little spin to get it spinning as it orbits around the sun. You see, if he hadn't put put the earth in the right spot, we would either be freezing to death or we'll be burning up. 93 million miles, God knew exactly what he was doing. And he put that sun and he put the fire into the sun. The creator of all things hung all, every star and then moons and everything out there. And he put all those galaxies out there that are, that are thousands of light years away. And the Bible says he hung every star out there. And he gave them, gave them a name. And he knows the exact location where every one of those is. He's counted them and he's named them. That is the God of creation. And yet the Bible tells us he chose to come and take on human form. It was a God who lived in heaven, sinless perfection, where there was no sin. And the beauty of heaven is so immense that the Bible tells us no eye has ever seen, nor heart can imagine, or the ear can even hear how much God has prepared for us. What great beauty we see that we can't even imagine on this earth. And yet God in his infinite wisdom said, I choose to leave that. 
and come to this sin-sick world. He said, there is a place in heaven, he said, where there is no death. There's no sorrow, no crying, or no more pain. What a beautiful place that is going to be one day when we get there. And yet he chose to leave. He chose to leave just at the right time. God, God knew exactly what he was doing. And he said, I'm going to leave all of that to go down there to save those who are in need of a Savior. Galatians 4, 4 says it this way. He says, but when the fullness of time came, or in Oklahoma English, at the right time, God sent forth his son. Uh -huh. Born of a woman, born under the law. You see, a perfect God has a perfect plan at the perfect time. He knew exactly when he needed to send his son here on this earth. And his plan was perfect. And his timing is perfect. And I'm here to tell you today that same phrase, God is perfect, and God's plan is perfect, and his timing is perfect. I'm here today to tell you that applies today also. Did you know that? If you're seeking God's will in your life, and you're find, looking for a direction in, in your life of where do I do, what decision do I make, how do I go down this road, I can tell you that God is perfect, and his plan is perfect, and his timing in your life will always be perfect. You might not agree with it. You might not think, what is he doing on this, on this deal? But I can tell you his plan is perfect and his timing is always perfect. We can praise him because of that. Why would he do that? Why would he come? Why would he put up with this mess down here? Because he knew what he was getting into when, when he came down in the form of Jesus. He knew of the ugliness of sin. He, he knew what was going on. He knew about the temptations that he would have, the temptations to pull him away from the Father, to make him sin, to make him go down a road that he, that he didn't want to go down. He knew of the temptations. He knew the stress and he knew the pressure that he was going to face. He knew the heartache and the pain of, of losing a loved one and seeing a loved one pass from this old earth. And he understood the heartache and the pain of that. He also understood the joy, what it meant to live here, to laughter, to have fun, and in the next moment, to be rejected, to be mocked, to be made fun of, to be hated, to be despised. And yet, he came. He knew what kind of suffering he would have to take on that cross. He knew that one day, he would become the one who knew no sin to become sin. He knew that. He knew that one day his, as he hung on that cross and he looks around and he says, Father, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Maybe the, the biggest hurt in his life was that. And yet he came and he put on human flesh to walk on this earth to experience everything that you and I will ever experience. There's nothing that you'll experience today that Christ did not experience. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful. 
that he willingly came to this earth to do that. And the question is, why would God do that? Why would he come down and, and, and put on human flesh? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, because he loves us. Never forget God loves us. Never forget God loves you. Well, I, I don't believe him, and I'm a sinner, and I, I, this, I, no, I don't get it. God still loves you. God knew that you and I would need a Savior one day to get us out of this mess. He knew that we would need forgiveness. So he came and, and put on human flesh. And the third reason is because his, the God's character is what? God is love. And that's what it tells us in 1 John. He is love. 1 John 4, 8, 9, the Bible tells us and kind of gives us back, uh, a backing of what I just told you about how much he loves us. The Bible tells us, 1 John 4, 8, 9, he says, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested or revealed in us that God sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. That we might live through him. You see, Jesus has told us when we accept him as Lord and Savior, we are living for him. He has told us in John 10, 10, he said, I, I have come to give you life and a life more abundant. When we accept Christ as Lord and Savior, we now can claim that we have life. But for those that never accept Christ as Lord and Savior, they're living a life without Christ. They will never know what true life is. The Bible says they are dead in their transgressions. And if they're dead in their sins and dead in their transgressions, they are the walking dead, if you would, here on this earth. And when they pass from this earth, they for sure are the walking dead. You know, we must, we must be clear. We must know. We must never allow society to take Christ out of Christmas. It is so important that as, as Christians we take Christ and we leave him right here in Christmas. It is not Xmas. It is Christmas. And I'm going to give you three reasons just real quickly today of why we've got to not let culture take Christ out of our Christmas. And if we don't stand, who will? First thing I want to tell you about not letting culture take Christ out of Christmas is because of the divine birth of Jesus. The divine birth of Jesus. You see the, the verses there, Luke 1, 26 through 38, and you know the story. The story is that uh, uh, God sent the angel Gabriel. And he told Gabriel, he said, go down to the city of Nazareth. Amazing that Nothing really good come out of Nazareth. But God said, Gabriel, go down there to Nazareth. He said, I want you to talk to a, a, a young lady who's engaged to a man by the name of Joseph. They're not married yet, but she's still a virgin. But I want you to go talk to him. And he said, I want you to tell him something. And you can imagine when the angel Gabriel appears to Mary. I mean, whoa, there's an angel talking to her. And the first thing he says, he says, Mary, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary, because you have found favor with God. 
And he said, Mary, Mary, said, you will conceive. He said, Mary, you will conceive in your womb, and you will bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. I mean, that's that's big enough story right there. And Gabriel tells him, he said, this, this, this boy that you're going to have, this Jesus that's going to be born to you, he says, he's going to be great. He's going to be great. He's going to be called the son of the most high. And he said, his kingdom will, will have no end. Wow. Wow. What a, can you imagine if somebody told you that? And, and, and Mary goes, how can that be? He said, I'm, she said, I'm just, I'm a virgin. I've never been with a man. How is all that going to happen? And in verse 35, the Holy Spirit, I mean the Holy Spirit, the angel answered her and said this. He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. And in verse 37, (laughs) what a great verse. For nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. If God can speak light into existence, He can create a human being in a womb without a man being there. We must never get over the fact of the virgin birth. We must never minimize the virgin birth. I know, I know so many times that we, we read that and you've read it and I've read it and we just kind of just go, yeah, it's pretty cool. And we just move on. And we don't stop and think about this virgin birth and the impact the virgin birth has on humanity even today. You see, without the virgin birth of Jesus, there is no deity. Without the virgin birth, there is no deity of Jesus. Jesus would just have been a man just like Adam, just like us. If, if he was not deity, if he was not God in flesh, when he died, he died just like all the rest of us dying for ourselves. He would not have been able to die for the sins of mankind. You see, without the virgin birth, there is no deity. And without deity, there is no sinlessness of Jesus. If, if, if Jesus is not God in the flesh, if he is not deity, then there's no way that he would ever become sinless. He would never have stayed sinless. He would have been just like all of us. And we have sinned and he had fallen short and all that mess right there. No deity means no sinlessness. No sinlessness, sinlessness means there would be no blood atonement from Christ. That the blood he shed on the cross would have made no difference. There was no, no blood atonement that, that would take away our sins. You see, the virgin birth is very important. Without, without atonement of sin, there is no forgiveness. And without forgiveness, there is no hope of heaven. You see, the virgin birth is very important. The virgin birth says, no deity, no deity, no sinlessness, no sinlessness, no atonement for our sins. And no atonement for sins is no forgiveness. And without forgiveness, we have no hope of heaven. 
And we are to be most pitied among men, the Bible says. Up until the cross and the resurrection, I'm here to tell you that the virgin birth was the most important event in the history of mankind until Christ went to the cross. We must never minimize the virgin birth. We must never just gloss over it. We must never go, well, that's, that, that's nice and, and not understand what it is. Because without the virgin birth, we have absolutely no hope in heaven. We must never forget, oh, forget the virgin birth. Man, I hope this, this Christmas you'll remember that. I hope you'll remember that when, when culture tries to take away Christmas from us. And it's just happy holidays. I want you to remember that the first thing we need to remember is the virgin birth and the importance of that. Second thing I want to shoot at you just real quick is the deity of Jesus. Jesus is God in human flesh. Did you know that? Jesus is God in human flesh. You know, the the scoffers will say, no, there's no way. The Pharisees said that's blasphemy and we need to kill him. The world says that's impossible. There's no way. he, He cannot be God and he cannot be man. He cannot come in flesh. But the Bible has a different story, does it not? In John 14, we read these words, verses, no, I mean John 1, verses 1 through 14, if I can find it. Tells us the deity of Jesus. It says, in the beginning was the Word. Who's the Word? God. Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was Jesus, and the Word was with God. The Word, Jesus was with God in the beginning. And the Word was God. Jesus was God. Jesus is God today. And he was in the beginning with God. Jesus is deity. And it says in verse 3, all things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. That's Jesus. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And then verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus became flesh. God became flesh and dwelt among us. In verse 4 we see, we see it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus is the light of the world, is he not? Jesus is, is the one who lights up this dark world. We must always remember that, that he is. John, 3, John 6, 38 says this. Jesus speaking, he says, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but do the will of him who sent me. Jesus is deity, is he not? He even speaks of it. In John ten thirty, he says this, I am the Father, I and the, I and the Father are one. Jesus is deity. Jesus is God. In Luke 2, we see that the angel proclaiming, we see him proclaiming in verse, in chapter 2, says, I bring you good news with great joy. 
for all people. For today in the city of David, a Savior has been born. And the Savior is Christ Jesus the Lord. You see, during this Christmas season, we can never get over the fact Jesus is deity. Jesus is God in human flesh. And in Matthew 1, 21, and he came to save the people. Aren't you glad that Jesus came to save the people? Aren't you glad he came as a baby? Aren't you glad he is deity? Because if he's not deity, he dies just like you and us, and we're lost forever. We celebrate the virgin birth. We celebrate his deity. And during this time, which might seem odd to you, but we celebrate the death of Christ. We celebrate the death. Because you see, without, without Christ dying on the cross and raising from, from that old tomb, there's no need to celebrate Christmas. There's no need to celebrate it if he did not go to the cross. We know that the Bible tells us that uh, uh, the shedding of blood brings a forgiveness of sin. That's what Jesus did on the cross, did it not? And in Hebrews 10, it talks about it. That's not the blood of goats or bulls. That is the blood of the perfect lamb of God. The perfect lamb of God who went to the cross and shed his blood so that we could receive his righteousness, so that we could receive his forgiveness. And without his death and without his burial, without his resurrection, There'd be no need for a Christmas. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that good news? That is good news. Without Christ at Christmas. Without Christ at Christmas, there would be no away in the manger. There would be no silent night. There would be it there would be no it came upon a midnight clear. There was not a Christ in Christmas. There would not be hark the herald angels sing. We would never experience, O come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us. Mary would have never known that when she kissed Jesus, she was kissing the face of God if there was no Christ in Christmas. There'd be no reason to go tell it on the mountain. And for sure, there would never be any joy to the world without Christ in Christmas. This Christmas season, I hope that we will pause to celebrate Jesus. I hope we pause and remember uh, God's love for us and that he loved us so much that he sent his son to die on that cross. He sent his son to walk on this earth so that we could, we could have an opportunity to live with him forever Amen. and forever. In this Christmas season, in conclusion, I urge you not to forget the virgin birth. Because without it, none of this works. Remember that Jesus is God in the flesh. He is deity. He has all the powers and the rights of holy God. Because he is God. The only difference is he's walking around in his flesh. And be thankful for that cross. Thankful that he he did what he did in order to save us. And I'll repeat the same verse I started with. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God did not send his son to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. This Christmas season, man, I just, I would urge you. It's not all about gifts. That's part of it. It's all about family. You bet that's part of it. But I want you to celebrate Christ during this Christmas. Because culture will try to, is trying to take that away from us. Don't ever let culture take away the Christ. Don't make it Xmas. It's just not holiday, happy holiday, season greetings. It is Merry Christmas because the Christ child was born, the Christ child lived, the Christ child died, the Christ child rose again, the Christ child offers redemption of our sins for all of us if we choose that. Rhonda, as the piano plays, I don't know how God has spoken to you today. I, 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 just, I hope it's just a reminder. We get so busy with Christmas that sometimes we leave out the best part. And the best part is Christ and Christmas. And I hope as, as family comes and you gather and, and people are coming and you exchange all the gifts and do all the stuff that you're going to do. I, I hope it's burned into your mind and your heart that the reason we're given these gifts, <laughs> the reason we got lights on the tree and all that kind of stuff is because God sent his son. God became human, took on flesh, took the punishment for our sins so we would not have to do that. As we bow our head and close our eyes, I just uh, let ask you to do business with God right now, to do what God has told you to do. If, if you've gotten away from the fact that Christ is, is the part of the Christmas that you've kind of forgotten, just confess that, move on, confess it. Or that, that God just wants you to, to really dig in on that this, this time, this Christmas season. That it's all about the Christ child. As the piano plays, do business with the Lord.